Thank you for stopping by our online messages. At WCC, we are in a year of development, and today Pastor Scott is in the book of Acts, chapter 12. Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you today, and uh, we're going to have a good time looking into God's Word. We have started a school year around here, specifically with Albany Christian School. Some of you have gone back to school. Some of you are going back uh, before long here. And in this start of school, the start of the year of ministry, we're calling this specifically El Willamette Community Church, a year of development. A year of development for you and I as individuals, but really a year of development for us as a church. A year for us to develop our systems, a year for us to develop our ministries so that as God would build us up, he would multiply us for good. This is really what it means to grow closer to God and help others along the way. Would you look at your worship program sitting in front of you? You got one of those, hopefully, when you came in on the front. It says, we are this community of grace growing closer to God. Hopefully, you know that even today is an aspect where you get to grow closer to God. And he's got a plan for this so that you would help others along the way. This isn't just for you. It's for the people that you live with. And so today, we're going to look into the book of Acts, where we see the development of the church, the development of the people of God And as we look at this, we are going to learn and grow together today. Acts chapter 12. Grab a Bible if you would. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Use the one sitting in front of you if you don't have a Bible. We're going to be on page 920. And I hope today that you are here to hear. We've used this phrase the last couple weeks. If that's you, say, I'm here to hear. All right. That's a key. By acknowledging to God, okay, God, I'm ready to receive what you've got for me. And I want to take you in chapter 12 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to ruin the surprise for you. I'm going to take out all the suspense here, and I want you to go straight to verse 24. I want to tell you the ending of this chapter first, and then we'll go back and look at some of the story as we apply this to our lives. But start with this in verse 24. It says, but... The word of God increased and multiplied. Now, this is one of my favorite words here, the word but. One of my favorites. Because when the odds are stacked against us, when there's seemingly no hope, an appropriately placed but can make all the difference in in the world. All right, you hear, uh, there's no money at the end of the month. That's not good news. But if you hear the word but... You're like, okay, there's some hope. So you're saying, I got a chance. All right, so the doctor says, see, I got some bad news. That's not good to hear. But if he throws in a but, so you're saying, I got a chance, doc. This is a great word of hope. This is a great word. And we're going to look at this here today. At the end of the chapter, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Is there anyone out here this morning who would be in need of some hope today? Go ahead and just shoot up your hand. You're like, okay, I I could use some hope today, all right? This is one of the reasons we gather is there is hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope found in his word, and we want to gather together. And I'm telling you, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, but we hear the word of God increased and multiplied. In fact, you have to say it when you get the good news. You have to say it like this. But, so let me hear you say, but. Now, when it comes after good news, like, hey, you won the lottery, but. That, that's not a but. That's like a but. 
After good news, it's just a but. But after bad news, oh, there's a little hope in our voice. One more time, let me hear you say, but. Man, that's the kind of but we like, all right? <clears throat> some of you just like, I like saying the word but, and some of you like hearing that. That's funny too, but. <clears throat> and what we see in this, that God is keeping something going as we look at verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. God was at work keeping something going. And we see that his kingdom keeps going, his people keep going. And I want us to consider this idea today that what God works at, he keeps it going and going and going. He keeps it going and going and going. I want us to consider that the I, this idea that the good plans of God keep going and going and going. Now, some of you were around in the late 80s and the early 90s, and there was this little annoying bunny that would show up on the TV every once in a while, right? Because he had this battery that was different than all the other batteries, they told us. And this battery could help this bunny keep going and going and going. All the other bunnies and all the other toys would stop, but this one bunny Parents, you may have to teach your kids about this one. This one bunny had a special power source, and he could keep going and going and going. And we're going to see today that this is happening in the book of Acts. The author, Luke, he gets to the end of this chapter, and he says, I want my readers to know what's happening with the church of God. I want my readers to know what's happening in the kingdom of God. I want my readers to know that if you hook your wagon to Jesus, that you will keep going and going and going. The kingdom keeps going, going, and going. The church keeps going, going, and going. And you and I... If we connect our lives to Jesus Christ, we will keep going and going and going. Is that good news? That's some hope that we need today. For those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ and said, okay, I need a savior. I need the forgiveness of my sins. I need a salvation. I need an eternal home with God. I need to be at peace with God. And I understand that only Jesus offers that. We're going to see today that for us, our lives will keep going and going and going, not just for all eternity, but right now. He sustains us. Right now, he sustains us. And so let's look at this story and see why we get to this hopeful but in verse 24. So if you would, go back to chapter 11 real quickly. Chapter 11, verse 25. How did Luke get to this point in telling the story where he says, oh, there's good news? Let's go back to 11.25. This is where we left off last week. It says this, So Barnabas, an encourager, he went up to Tarsus to look for a man named Saul. Saul, 11 years earlier or so, had an encounter with God. He hated Christians at first. He was trying to throw the Christians in jail, but God changes his heart. And so then for the last 11 years, God is preparing Saul. It's been years in the making for something greater. Saul, or Barnabas goes to look for Saul, verse 26. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Antioch was this third largest city of the Roman Empire. It was a massive city where Jesus' news has been going. A multi-ethnic group of people who are hearing about Jesus and turning their lives over to him. And for a whole year of development, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, it says, the disciples were first called Christians. If you claim that name as yourself, this is where it started, back here in the city of Antioch. Now, verse 27. 
We didn't talk about this last week. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This actually took place in the days of the Roman Emperor Claudius. The idea is, he says, hey, I want you to know, people, I've been told by God that there's going to be a famine. Now, we don't, know, we don't understand what a famine is. We understand sometimes that at the end of the month, there might not be much left in the refrigerator, right? But we don't know what a famine is because you can go to any restaurant and they're open. You can go to any grocery store and they're usually open, some of them 24 hours a day. You can go to a convenience store and it's open. We don't understand famine. Go ahead and stop eating the rest of this day and just feel your stomach getting hungry. And just consider what that'd be like if there was no food, if there's no food options, the land was not producing food. How would you respond to that? Here's the question. How are the Jesus followers going to respond when they live in a land where there's no food? Will they die off? Will this be the end of the Jesus followers? Okay, if they don't die off, will they lose heart? Will they start fighting against each other? Will they start hoarding what's theirs? What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to these people? Will God's plans be stopped? Well, we know the answer is no, because here we are 2,000 years later still talking about this Jesus. The kingdom of God keeps going and going and going. Famine's not going to derail God. Go to chapter 12, verse 1. Let me show you another problem they experienced. About that time, Herod calls himself king of the Jews. He's working for the Romans. He laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church of Jesus. He killed a man named James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now, this is not the James who wrote the book of James. Some of us guys are in a Bible study about James. It's not that James. But he's one of Jesus' 12 followers those three years. In fact, this is one of Jesus' closest guys. This is about 12 years after Jesus has been crucified and raised to the dead. And Herod says, I'm going after these Jesus followers, and I'm going to try to kill one of their main guys. So what happens to the Jesus followers? Do they say, okay, wait a second. Death like this, we're done. We're done. It's been 12 good years, but let's stop. Is that going to stop them? Are they going to lose heart? And are they just going to say every man for himself and say, you know what, I'm out of here? Will, this, will the kingdom of God be derailed? Will God's plans be stopped? Okay, we know the answer is no. Because the church of God keeps going and going and going. Death is not going to derail God. Go to verse 3. Let me show you another problem. When Herod saw that it pleased the Jews that he had killed James, he said, okay, let's go get Peter now. Peter's one of the great 12. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, when he seized Peter, he put him in a prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. This was actually more than normal because Peter's actually been released from prison before or escaped from prison before. So Peter was in prison now. Uh-oh, he's in trouble. Look at the next word. Peter was in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Here's the question. How is the church of God, how are the Jesus followers going to handle persecution? Fortunately, we don't have to deal with this. We don't meet in secret today. We really aren't worried about this. There may be a day that happens, but we're not worried about that here. 
How is the church of God going to handle persecution? Will they shrink back? Will they lose heart? Will God's plans be stopped? Nah, because here we are 2,000 years later. Persecution won't derail God. Go to verse 24 again. Skip all the way down to verse 24. In fact, here's what we know. But, let me hear you say that. The word of God increased and multiplied. And as we've said the last couple weeks, God is in the work of developing that which he dreamed and designed. The idea is God is going to develop the things that he dreamed and designed. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take people who are far from me. I'm going to have my son pay for all of their sins. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to include them into my family. And then I'm going to involve them in my work. God says, I have dreamed this. I have designed this. For ordinary people like you, for sinners who did not love God, he says, I'm going to change their hearts. And then I'm going to develop them. And sometimes it happens through famine. And sometimes it happens through death. And sometimes it happens through persecution. And God is doing this. And I want you to know this. Our God can't be stopped. If we just stopped there, we'd say, wait a second. Here's what we know. Our God can't be stopped. Famine looks, that would destroy some movements. Death, that would cause some people to run away. Persecution, that would cause some groups to disband. But our God can't be stopped. Can we just give God an applause for that? Because we're still alive. We're still going. His work's still going. Our triumphant God, his kingdom, his church, it keeps going and going and going. Now, that's good news for us. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8. I want you to write down this passage. I want you to actually read it this week. In Romans chapter 8, it says this. Let's look on the screen. For I am sure, confident of this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. God has a great love for us in Jesus. We have a relationship with God because of Jesus. Nothing's going to separate that. Nothing's going to separate that. Famine, that's not going to separate. Death, not going to separate. Religious persecution, not going to separate us. And we see this. In fact, the word of God increased and multiplied. Now, as I'm looking at this, I thought, okay, let's keep reading this story. And in the context of all the entire Bible, we can make some personal application. I want to apply it to us today. This is good. I mean, we're part of this story 2,000 years later, but I want to bring it down to your life, where you are right now, this morning, where you've been this past week, where you'll be at this next week. And I want you to know this, that God is developing me in times of loss. Would you write this down? That God is developing me in times of loss. When you experience those times, God's at work. When you say, okay, I have lost family, I've lost money, I've lost jobs, God's developing you. This is what he's doing. God was developing the followers of Jesus as they got the terrible news about James. He's at work in them. He says, I'm at work in you. I got this. I'm actually developing you. And God's at work in you and me when we get the bad news that we'd rather not receive. Some of you have got the news and received the news of divorce. That's terrible news. It's heartbreaking news. Whether it's you or someone in your family, someone you love, heartbreaking news. 
It's loss. But God's developing you in this. Some of you have uh, got a diagnosis that you hated. And you got that, or someone in your family, or someone, a loved one gets that. That's a loss. Oh, I did not want this. I did not expect this. I was hoping it wouldn't be this. But I want you to know God is developing you through this. Some of you experience death of loved ones, of children, parents, friends, loss, heartache, grief. But God is developing you in those times of loss. you got to believe it, that he is developing you right now. You're saying, I walked in here today, and I've been experiencing some loss. I want you to know this, that God is developing you. And this is the good news you need to hear today. God desires to see all these events that you would say, that was a major loss. That was a major hurt. God would say, I'm using that event, that circumstance, to actually grow your faith, to develop your faith. I'm working that in you. James was killed. I'm working on their faith. Peter's arrested. He's probably going to be killed. I'm working their faith. And the church prayed for them. And in the seasons of our loss, then what do we do? I want you to know there's a choice. Choice for us. Write this choice down if you would. Choice to lean into God or to pull away from God. When you experience loss, here's your opportunity to lean into God or to pull away from God. What what are you going to do? Lean into him or pull away from him? I mean, our heart gets hurt, and we, got, we want to run. We want to numb it. We want to escape. And here's your choice to lean into him or pull away from him. Go to verse 5. James has been killed. Peter's been arrested. Verse 5, look at this. So Peter was kept in prison. What's the next word? But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. They didn't panic. They prayed. God was developing them not to panic, but to pray. Write this down. Don't panic, but pray. Don't panic, but pray. I like to panic. Anybody else in this room like to panic? All right. I mean, it's just easy to panic. Get some news, and I get freaked out, and I start to panic. I hurt my own soul. Sometimes I hurt other people. Don't panic. Pray. Lean into God. Don't pull away from him. This is what they did. They leaned into God, not pulling away from him. Now, let's consider this for a moment. When James gets arrested or something happens to him, I imagine they prayed for James and said, okay, church, we got to pray. James, one of the great leaders of the church, he's been taken. Let's pray. They pray for James, and what happens? He's killed. Wait a second, did that not work? Did we not dial the right numbers? What happened to this? I mean, we leaned into God and it, it didn't work. Sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we think, okay, I leaned in, I prayed, and it didn't work. I started thinking about this. Is death the worst thing? Is death the worst thing for James? If James got to write a story after he died, what would he write? Oh, it's terrible. 
Now, he'd be saying, hey, hey, don't worry about me. God is triumphant. Jesus, everything he promised is true. I'm experiencing glory right now. It was miserable for a few seconds. But I tell you, it's good. Don't panic. Yeah, you lean into God. You pray to God. But I'm telling you, death is good. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, you know your Bible, some of you. That's good. Death is a great thing for the believer in Jesus. It's a great thing. It's difficult for us. It's like, oh, we miss James. I didn't get to say goodbye to James. I loved hanging out with James. But it's actually great for James. It's actually great for the follower of Jesus who passes away. In fact, this week in your reading, will you look at the back of your notes real quickly? There's a reading list. I want you to read that this week. One of the passages talks about wasting away, that actually we are wasting away. Our bodies are falling apart. There's a good but to that, though. But here's what's going to happen for those who follow Jesus, those who have turned their life over to Jesus. I got to pray with somebody this week. Somebody who said, my body's hurting. I'm falling apart. And I said, let me pray for you. And I said, God, yes, our bodies are wasting away. She actually laughed like that wasn't very comforting, encouraging. I'll tell you, it is comforting, encouraging. It is. Your body is wasting away. Get over it. In fact, just say this. My body's wasting away. Now sit next. Say that to somebody sitting next to you. Your body's wasting away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the little grandkids looking at grandma and grandpa saying, my And here's what we know, that the temporary tent is going to give way and something greater is going to take place. The temporary tent for James is giving way, but something greater is awaiting him. And so when you experience loss, here's your opportunity. I'm going to lean into God because though it hurts, there's a great loss and there's grief. I'm going to lean into him, not pull away from him because he has great hope for me. And so you read these passages this week because God is developing me in times of loss. If you believe that, say, I believe that. No, if you believe that, say, I believe that. That's right, with a little bit of twang there too, right? I believe that. I have to believe that. That God's developing me in times of loss. And he keeps me going and going and going. Let me give you another thought. That God is developing me in times of victory. I see that in this passage as well. That God is developing me in times of victory. And God, just to let you know in case you don't, I like the victory times better. He says, yeah, but I can't develop you as well in those times of victory. Peter was imprisoned, and he's miraculously released. I'm not going to read the story to you, but what happens is he's shackled. All of a sudden, an angel comes in, and he's unshackled. The angel says, get out, and he gets out. And all of a sudden, he gets out, and he gets into the city. And he's like, I'm free. I'm free. And he runs to the house where some disciples are, and he's knocking on the door. And they won't let him in because they don't believe that it's really him, even though they're praying for him. Anyway, he gets in there, and victory. I got out. I was going to die, but I'm not going to die right now. I'll die later, but that's another story. Anyway, I'm out right now. Victory. How does Peter respond to a time of victory? Let me show you how he responds. Go to verse 17, if you would. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, 
He described to them how the Lord had brought him out. He was saying, God did this. God did this. I didn't do it. God miraculously did this. God did it. There are times that God answers our prayer far greater than we could have ever imagined. We were just kind of, sometimes I do this like, well, God, could you, I don't want to make it too difficult for you, but could you just kind of bless us this way? And sometimes he goes, no, I'm going to bless you this way. And Peter, when he gets out, he says, I want you to know, people, God did this. It wasn't me. Go back to verse 11. In fact, when Peter came to himself, when he, he thought he was like dreaming this whole thing. But when he gets out of prison, he says, I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. He's saying this, I'm, I'm sure that God did this. God did this. I didn't do it. He did it. And this is what Peter is saying. And in those moments of victory, we have a choice before us, every single one of us. Moments of victory where God does something great, we have a choice to either praise God or deprive God. Here's your choice. God does something great, you either praise him or you deprive him of the praise that is due to him. I was thinking about that this morning. I was looking over this uh, part of the message, and I realized that God had done something great earlier in the week. I've been a part, uh, last Sunday night I went to uh, Financial Peace University with many of you. And the idea is, okay, we're going to make this budget and we're going to talk about finances. And, and so as Angela and I were talking, I said, you know what, I'm going to call one of the insurance places and just see if our rates could get lowered. She's like, great idea. So I called Monday morning and said, is there any chance our rates could be lowered? You know, um, we've been good drivers, no wrecks. I mean, can our... Uh, costs be lowered. She goes, let me check into that. She comes back and says, uh, Mr. Miller, I can save you about $140 each month over the next six months for the same coverage. I'm like, whoa, this is good news. And immediately, here's where I went. This is victory. But immediately I went, dang, that was a good call I made. And my wife gets home and I'm like, honey, guess what I did today? I saved us about $140 a month. I I'm an arrogant person. I wanted her to go, you are amazing. She didn't say anything like that. Fortunately, she didn't feed that. I started telling the story to some people, and I was like, man, if you call your insurance, they might be able to help you out. And I thought, I was good to call. My agent's pretty good. But this morning, it hit me. I wonder how much I'd been depriving God of that victory all week. I should have been saying, I'm a fool, but God rescued me and gave me victory. I know this, because I was thinking about it yesterday, I think, that I said, okay, God, you've given me an extra $140 a month not to buy toys for myself, to use well for your kingdom. I'm not sure what I'm going to get to do with this yet. You'll direct me at that. But I knew, I know this, I was a bit of a glory hog. And sometimes we become glory hogs. You know, just nod with me. Are some of you glory hogs? You're like, you want people to notice you? Oh, I, I kind of wanted that. I made a great phone call, did some work, stiff-armed that agent. No, I didn't. In the times of victory, what do you do? Are you going to say God did it like Peter, or are you going to deprive God of the glory that he deserves? 
There's a choice for every single one of us. Some of you are writing down, call car agent, insurance agent this week. Good, do it. And when you get your rates lowered, praise God for the victory. Don't praise me for bringing this up. Don't praise yourself for making the call. You praise God that he's good in that way. Can I get an amen? Amen. Peter praises God, doesn't deprive him, says God did this. Tells other people God did this. Let me show you the converse of this, what it looks like to deprive God. Go to chapter 12, verse 21. And maybe as I read this, I thought I better make sure to give praise to God. On an appointed day, Herod, that we've talked about a little bit earlier, he put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, delivered an oration to the people. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not a man. This is a God and not a man. And look what it says. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck Herod down because he did not give God the glory. I wasn't afraid that God was going to strike me down today, but I thought he could. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. That's kind of gross. Didn't want you to see that here this morning. Would have been a memorable message for you, right? Had that happen. But Herod, in his victory, when people are saying how great he is, he's kind of like, yeah, I kind of am. I kind of am. Here's your choice. In times of victory, will you give praise to God or will you deprive God? This week, today, think of something good that God has done and tell somebody about how God did it. Tell somebody about how good God is in your life. Stop taking the credit and reflect it to him. Let's be glory reflectors, not glory hogs. Let's keep going here. When you experience these moments, though, When you experience these moments of victory, give praise to God because God is developing you in times of victory. He's developing you. He's saying, I want to turn you into a praise giver, not a praise hoarder. And if you believe that God is developing you in times of victory, say, I believe it. He does. Those are good moments. And God keeps me going and going and going. Let me show you one more thought, though. And it's this, that God is developing me through every difficulty. God's developing me through every difficulty. For some of you, you came in here today and said it's a a physical difficulty. For some of you, you came in and said it's a financial difficulty. For some of you, you said it's both. For some of you say, you know what, it's bad government. For some of you say it's bad relationships. We all experience these difficulties. We all have them. In fact, let me show you James chapter 1. Write this passage down. Guys, you should have read this already since our Bible study. But write this down, church, in James chapter 1. Let's look at this. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete. God says, here's what's going on. I'm going to, at times, allow difficulties in your life. And hopefully you will be mature enough to say, that can, I can see this as joy because God is developing me through this difficulty. God is causing me to lean into him more because I used to pull away from him. God is causing me to give him praise more because I used to deprive him of that praise. Every difficulty that you experience, God says, I want to use this for your development. I want you to be mature and complete. 
not lacking anything. This is what I want from you. I want to change you so that when you leave a building like this and go into your workplace, into your neighborhoods, in your schools, and people see you struggling with some difficulty and you're not losing it, and you're actually leaning into God, and you're actually giving him praise, they're saying, I want what you got. I need what you got. This is how it is. You be in the light of the world so that others can see this as we handle these difficulties. King Herod, he was a brute. He was a terror. The government was oppressive. But God was using every single difficulty to build the faith and the character of his people. He says, I'm going to use all of this. I'm going to use this. When this happened, the word of God increased. When this happened, the word of God multiplied. When this happened, the word of God increased. And here we are 2,000 years later still talking about this Jesus because the difficulties did not destroy us because the kingdom of God and the church of God keeps going and going and going. Now there's a choice when we have these difficulties. Anybody have some difficulties this last week? Yeah. As you think about those, here's a choice for you. Choice is either to trust in God or to turn from God. Here's your choice. To trust in God or to turn from God. What are you going to do when you have these difficulties? Trust in him or turn from him? When it feels like you're being crushed, it's a time of development. When it looks like it's a time of death, it's actually a time of development. I'm seeing this as I'm looking at the leaves. There's a tree outside my home. And a couple months ago, it was beautifully beautiful, all green. Now it's starting to turn red. Imagine the trees saying things like, oh, no, one of those seasons again. We're going to lose all of our great green leaves. We're going to lose all of our beauty. Before long, we'll be bare. It's going to be cold. It looks like death, but it's really a time of development, isn't it? God's saying, oh, yeah, I'm growing your roots. I'm growing the stump. We're going to get bigger and larger because next spring you're going to bud again, and you're actually going to be able to hold more birds on your uh, limbs. You're going to have more leaves than before. Those birds are going to be able to drop poop all over the car underneath in greater ways. I mean, this, this is a season of development. You see, I, I know that you and I say, you know what? feels like the leaves are falling off, turning red. Maybe there are none left right now. God's using this as a time for development of you. Will you trust in this winter process or will you turn from him? I imagine if my tree could and it said, you know what, I'm just gonna cut myself off and try to replant myself in Southern California or something like that and turn away from trusting in the process, you'd find out it's gonna die there. Will you trust, here's your choice, trust in God or turn from him? When it feels like you're being crushed, you're actually being developed. You see, God is developing me through every difficulty. If you believe that, say, I believe that. And God keeps me going and going and going. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 again. If you didn't write it down, write it down now. Romans chapter 8, it says, I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing's going to be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. You say, well, what about what I did this last week? Nothing. There is a love that God has for you, that he sent his son Jesus for you. If you've turned to him and you've received forgiveness, nothing's going to separate that. Nothing. Nothing. This difficulty, even for moments when you turn away from him, that's not going to separate. This is good news. That God's going to develop me through every single difficulty. Leads me to a couple questions I want to finish with today. First one is this, on what then do I build my life? On what do I build my life? Because I'm going to experience loss, and I'm going to have some victories, and I'm going to have a ton of difficulties. On what am I going to build my life? Am I going to build it on temporary things? My bank account, my home, new car, I'll build my life on that, my reputation. Are you building your life on something temporary or something eternal? You see, when I build my life on that which is eternal keeps going and going and going and does not stop. Maybe the better question is, on whom will I build my life? On whom will I build my life? Now, if I build my life on me, this earthly tent is going to give out. It's going to be done one day. If I build my life on me, that's not the answer. But if I choose to build my life on Jesus, the eternal God... Okay, that's where life is, amen? This is the one I'll build my life on. When I build it on me and my kingdom, it's not gonna make it. When you build it on you and your kingdom, it's not gonna make it. But when you say, I'm going to build my life on Jesus, the eternal God, my life will keep going and going and going. And loss won't separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Victory, my arrogance won't. Those difficulties won't. As long as I am building my life on Jesus. And since nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, the answer is pretty simple. Build on him. Connect to him. Hope in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him. You see, I will be developed, and every single one of us will be developed into the, the people that God has dreamed and designed. I'll be developed into all that God has dreamed and designed as I continue, catch this, to continue to build my life on Jesus. As I continue. Okay, some of you, you say, I have done that, good. But continue now to build your life on Jesus. Some of you here today say, I'm trying to build it on other things. No, 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 no. Start here. Say, I need Jesus and continue to build your life on him. Continue. Some of you say, I've walked away for a season then get back to building your life on Jesus. Lean into him, not pull away from him. Praise him, not deprive him of praise. Trust in him, not turning away from him. Build your life on Jesus. And as the word of God increased and was multiplied in the church, 
it will be the same for us. And we will keep going and going and going and going because that's the God who is in us. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to reflect for a minute. Some of you reflect by closing your eyes and I'm gonna give you a moment of quiet here. Some of you might wanna write down a couple thoughts. Maybe a takeaway. Maybe a commitment to God. But in light of what you've heard this morning, the story of the church, what has God been saying to you for today and this week? Heavenly Father, we live as people who experience loss. You did with the giving of your son. There are a lot of ways we experience loss. And I ask that you help me and my brothers and sisters to lean into you and not pull away from you. So easy to want to numb our pain or escape from our pain. But would you make us people who lean into you because that's where the development takes place. That's where our roots are grown. God, there are times of victory. We had them this last week and we're bound to have them. They might be small. They might be far greater than we could have hoped or imagined. And when we have those, would you cause us to praise you and not deprive you of of that praise. I confess that I was a glory hog at times this week. I want to be a glory reflector because you've been so good. And God, I know for me and for my brothers and sisters, we just live in a broken world surrounded by broken people and we ourselves are broken and we will experience difficulties. And when we do, would you help us to trust in you? God, maybe some people have to trust in you for the very first time today. Help them to say to you, I trust you with my life. God, I ask that you would help us all to say that, that I trust you with my family, with my job or lack of job, with my failing health, I am wasting away. There are difficulties. God causes people to trust who trust in you in greater ways, not turn from you. And when we do, we thank you for the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. Help us to be people who build our lives on Jesus Christ, our Savior lover of our souls. In his name we pray. Thank you for taking some time today to look into God's word with us. We hope you were both encouraged and challenged. Join us again next week as we continue our study.